Welcome hey. to our Thursday Night Live and this is Peter from Mr. Money TV. Hey, welcome back, Peter. I'm Frankie here. All right. Good evening. I think tonight we also kind of got to welcome back the bull market, is it? Or uh. is it not? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I bet a lot of people traded and make some money over there, right? All the US stocks, tech stocks were doing so well yesterday and probably today also it spill over to the Malaysian stock market as well. Yeah, so after Jerome Powell's uh, speech the other day, you know, dropping some hints of what's going to happen, mm. the whole market just went on like some uh, dog craving for food like that, you know, hungry dogs, <laughs> and we're all just running and the whole market just rally, even yeah. the Asian market rally. I think, the market uh, is thirsty, uh, thirsty for good news. Thirsty, and right? finally, yeah, you know, after six goodness. rounds of interest rate hike, finally they drop one, yeah. drop one. But whether it's a nice cup of water or is it something else, we don't know. Yeah, and so what happened is that it begs this question right now, right? Uh, is is there already enough of bad news that we have come to the end of this bear rally? Are we at the bear end of this bear rally right now and we are going to enter into a bull market again? Mm. So that's the question that we will be discussing today. And aside from that as well, we will be covering a few, uh, some specific companies as well. I think... Uh, for one, I think we'll be talking about Credit Suisse, right? Yeah, Credit Suisse. Uh, well, that kind of throw the hint to people already. If you follow the news, mm. you probably know that Credit Suisse is in trouble. And if you if you can remember your history well enough, about 10, 12 years ago, there was also a bank that got into trouble and ended up becoming a global economic crisis. Yep, yep. so that's so, what we're going to talk about yeah, as well. Yeah. And on top of that, we're going to talk about some prediction from our Mr. Cassandra, yeah? Cassandra. Uh, which, is, which is a Michael, Michael Burry, and that's what he calls himself as a Twitter handler because he says that mm, Cassandra is a prophet that keeps prophesying about the doomsday, but no one actually cares, right? <laughs> so that's what he says, uh, calls himself right now. And he is predicting another crash coming, right? Mm. So we're going to be talking about these few different things and we're going to have an outlook of the market. Now, nonetheless, nonetheless, it's been quite an interesting one, two weeks for Malaysia. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, Pakata Harapan won, I mean, the way they won, mm. right? Uh, Anwar was made uh, Prime Minister finally and immediately the next day itself, Malaysian yeah. ringgit was strengthened, right? Yeah, until yeah. today, it's still strengthened thing. Then somebody just mentioned that today is 4 ringgit and 41 cents. That's right. Yeah, within but one week, it, it strengthened from 475 to 440. Mm. That is that is very, that very is, big jump. That is uh, quite, quite rapid, right? Yeah. I also didn't expect it to, you know, happen that way. A lot of mm. people were actually asking us like previously, hey, should I start converting my money into uh, USD, you know, or stuff like that. Mm. And we kind of already mentioned that. Uh, now you're kind of at that last at stage the of it. End, really. yeah. yeah. So if you actually did convert a big chunk, uh, then... Uh, <laughs> you know, like, uh, never mind, it's okay. Just invest in US stocks. Correct. Right? Yeah. And we will say that moving ahead, I think the world is actually uh, getting more and more flat in a way, right? Yeah. At least for investment wise, supply chain is uh, going back into more uh, geographical zones. But at least in terms of investment, uh, nothing is stopping you from investing in the US markets right now. And that's why, if you're interested in investing in the US market, you can actually take a look at Interactive Broker. Yeah. Mm. Not our sponsor, but. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, along the way, we're also throwing some ad plugs here and there. Lah. Mm. But nonetheless, let us get straight down to business itself. So, Frankie, Oi. yesterday you did not sleep until three something, right? Uh, that's largely because we stay up 
for <laughs> for internal <laughs> meetings. But yeah, uh, they they all went home and they slept earlier. Um, I I was awake because I couldn't sleep, and the reason I couldn't sleep was because I was waiting for uh the Federal Reserve speech that mm. was highly anticipated that um he was going to hint the market that he's going to slow down the interest rate hike and within expectation he did say that he said that going forward and most likely starting december uh the the quantum of the rate hike will not be as aggressive as before um so what he did uh, in the past is that for the past six consecutive rate hike he has been consistently raising like 50 basis points 75 basis points there were a lot of speculation to to to, to see whether the Fed will be daring enough to say, I increase a full 1% on the interest rate. And mm-hmm. that would be very damaging for the market as a whole. But with the statement that he made yesterday with that uh, toned down kind of thing and said, oh, you know, um, we, are, we are going to slow down interest rate high, but we're going to monitor the situation. That gave a very, very good sentiment to the market. And immediately, the whole entire US market just rallied especially on growth stocks, growth stocks being tech stocks like in particular. Yep. All the NVIDIA la, and all these companies are all just shot up. And today in Asia stock markets, all the major growth stocks also perform the same. Mm. Yeah. So uh, as, as Frankie was telling me about this this morning, you know, when I came into the office, um, so I went and looked at it because I, I was sleeping, right? So I mm. didn't really bother. I was already too tired. Now, uh, what happened was that I went and looked through this whole speech by Jerome Powell. Mm. And I mean, it was a very boring speech. Lah. Okay, I think most of the people were just like, I want to fall asleep, right? Mm. Uh, but nonetheless, what he was trying to tell you is that uh, as they look at the core CPI, you know, and stuff like that, uh, they realize that, yeah, it's been going up, but right now it's starting to tame down, starting to tame down. Mm. Now, and he... While while there was this hint of saying that that it is starting work and they may actually start to moderate off their their uh, rate hikes, but I would say that about fifty or at least eighty percent of the speech was was still rather negative, mm. right? It, it was still like it is still a very big problem. Correct. It is still very high. All right. <laughs> and, and let's not forget that we are still going to continue aggressively. Uh, increasing rate until we can normalize uh, mm. inflation back to about 2%. Yep. Yeah. So he, he keep emphasizing on that again and again and again, you know, and uh, for a moment as I was looking at the full speech, right, I was thinking to myself, is he even trying to hint that things are going to be good? And then finally there was this, oh, you know, kind of like that hint, but I'm thinking to myself like, they, it doesn't <laughs> really sound like that much of a great news to me. Yeah, yeah, so if we turn our perspective to the Europe for a bit, right? Uh, Europe, uh, they also announced their inflation rate recently, I think a couple of days ago. Uh, it came off. It came off. That was good news. That was good news. But even though it came off, it is still at a high of around 10%, which means to say that um, whatever that you bought for $1 a month ago, this month, it's 10% more expensive. Even though it is not 12%, it's 10%. It is still very high. So therefore, it is not to say that we have already gone uh, those bad days and uh, you know it's all sunshine going forward. No, it's just that the effects of the interest rate high is starting to work. And therefore, the Fed is taking a lesser aggressive stance to monitor the situation to see what, what they will do next. 
Yeah, so having said that itself, right, uh, it just feels like the market is just really, really, really desperate for good news. And it seems like people are taking whatever hints that they can find, right, just to be able to create opportunity to make some money off it. Yeah, that's yeah. because if you think of it, right, for the past one or two years, or even since COVID-19 started, right, it has been just bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. The market has been beaten by bad news one after another. And finally, this is the first time, I think, yeah, probably one of the first time uh, there's a global global scale kind of uh, relief kind of news to to actually shift the shift the sentiment to slightly more positive, so the market completely just play along with it. Went crazy, right? Went yeah. crazy with it. it. Went Correct. crazy. Literally, from what we can see is that uh, from the peak of uh, if you actually were to look at the S and P chart itself, uh, it hit the highest when we. We were in... 2022, right? 2021, December. December, uh, yeah. yeah. So December early the, the time. Yeah, that yeah. was like the high point at about 4,800 points in S&P 500. And then subsequently, it just started going down. I still recall many times when we talked about it, we said, hey, you know, uh, it's going to go further down. Yeah, it's the gonna bear go market is down. here. The bear is the bear, here. The bear market is here. Yeah. And then every time when there's a slight rebound, we just rush into it and we're so happy. And time and time again, you see the market after that started forming three uh two peaks yeah uh, right after from the top peak in 4800 points in uh early of the year and then by about and it dropped down by i think around uh 30 20 plus percent and then mm. by march it was at the low point and then it shot up again in just a very short period of time just within about 28 days then it hits it hits uh, 4,600 points and everyone was wondering like, oh yeah, is this going to continue to go up, right? But then it went down again. Uh, and this time round from 4,600 points, it went all the way down to 3,600 points, which was 50% mm. drop. Right, that that was if you recall the time from uh, March onwards yeah. all the way until June, it was really, really just bad news. Mm. Right. Subsequently, there was some good news again. It shot up again, hitting the second time's peak. Uh, forming this, uh, what do you call it? A resistant line, right? A sloping resistant line. Yeah. At 4,300 points, then after it started dropping down again, hitting 3,500 points, and then now shooting all the way up, right? Until 4,000 points. 4,077, somewhere around there. Now, the point is, the point is, if you look at from it from a technical chart perspective, Wherever the market is right now in terms of S&P 500, it has touched the, resist the resistance zone, yeah. right? It has touched the ceiling, <coughs> right, in terms of technical chart. So uh, if there's a like ceiling down here, it has bounced, come down, bounce up again, go down again, and now hitting the ceiling again. So for those of you who are wondering like, hey, you know, does it mean there is a great time to actually enter in the market? Uh, I would say that when you look at the index itself, uh, it has come to this risky place. Mm. Yeah, it has come to this risky place because it either stays here or either break above uh, 4,100 points like that. Uh, ideally hitting about 4,200 points then, yeah, it could be a there is a chance that the market is generally uh, reversing Mm. right you are the start of the reversal right um you can say that uh, but you again you never know right yeah, again you never know nonetheless at this point right now we have actually a very strong resistance uh i hope we have a big screen here but 
at this point we don't have <laughs> maybe one day we'll have one, one. day uh, yeah? yeah yeah so we have we have made a very very strong resistance a resistance that for the past two past two peaks couldn't break past right mm. so now the question is will it drop back down right i would say that if let's say it drops uh, drops below 4000 points yeah you you may want to pay a bit of attention yeah then will it continue dropping right uh, naturally i would say that um, will the market continue to drop further i i would say that the first first zone that you think that it will drop drop towards is it drop towards it's probably about 3500 points there yeah, and the S&P 500 Back to the whole. previous low, yeah, right? Yeah, back to the previous low. Yeah, at least there. And if, let's say, manage to successfully hover around that range, then we can probably say that market is starting to consolidate around this area mm. until any good news or bad news, right? Now, so in this situation right now, perhaps it's best to actually just look at all these indicators around the market at a macro level, right? Mm. And see what are, the, what are the good news and bad news. What are some of the things that can help to boost the market to yep. actually push past this uh, 4,000 over points, right? Mm. Are there any good news coming ahead? Uh, since the market is always about looking ahead, right? We are just trying to predict, yep. right? So what do you think looking ahead, moving from here? Okay, even, even before we go into the news, right? Just by the virtue of looking at how the interest rate has changed in the past 12 months and the fluctuation of the Forex, it has made um, a lot of all these uh, business people, all these management people, uh, it's, it's, it's becoming very hard to predict how they want to move forward. Mm. For example, if, if let's say, for example, we have to buy our raw material in US dollar for the next six months, do I buy now? Or do I buy three months down the road? It's, it's very hard to predict because interest rate is so volatile today that it is very hard to gauge and therefore it's very hard to make a business decision because every decision could be a very um, expensive mistake. Um, one very good example of that is uh, AirAsia. Uh, AirAsia just uh, announced their result. Even though with the economy open up, everyone is traveling, um, ticket sales sold out, you know, things like that. Airports is very busy and whatnot. People were expecting AirAsia to do very well. Mm. But they lose, if I'm not mistaken, they lose close to 1 billion ringgit last quarter. Mm. And half of the loss comes from Forex losses. Comes from <laughs> Forex losses. Now, I can understand why, because you see, uh, the tickets that they sold to us, right? Let's say, for example, I log in from Malaysia. They are going to sell me tickets in ringgit. If yep. I log in from a Thai website, mm -hmm. then they're going to sell their tickets in Thai baht. But their jet fuel, their, their maintenance, their parking, you know, their, their uh, airport fee and all those things, they're all charged in US dollar. Mm. So that is already one loss, right? And the other loss is that if you compare Thai baht and Malaysia ringgit, so on one end, you are comparing local currency against US dollar. And then now you're comparing other currencies against ringgit. Now, yep. Thai baht has been doing very badly compared to the ringgit. Yeah. So when you try to bring Thai baht back to Malaysia <laughs> to do reporting, it's another round of loss over there. Yeah. Right. So, so that is a very good example and a very classic example of what volatile Forex can do to a business. And uh, yeah, so even without going into news, this alone becomes a very big risk for a lot of businesses mm, mm. in uh, 2023. True, true. Well, well we actually, at the, at the same time, right, it is not just the problem of uh, Forex exchange, you know, uh, 
commodities and so on, right? Uh, commodity is a little bit more, I mean, it's a little bit more tamed down already la, right now. Yeah. yeah. But nonetheless, there's still this whole underlying question about supply chain issue mm. that's still happening, right? Because these are undertone of war now. They, I, I guess the market has some good news over the time <coughs> because uh, G20 summit, right? Uh, then stuff like that, they kind of explicitly say that, you know, we don't want to go into any war, right? But nonetheless, US has still put China as a very big threat, threat right? It's still on their list. You know, they're still saying that they are, they are a threat. So that's still happening. China is still implementing their zero, zero, zero COVID, COVID policy, mm-hmm. right? And uh, there's this huge question about like, whether is China actually experiencing such a bad, such a bad slowdown in growth that, they're just containing everything and then so that nothing leaks out and then they just want to manage among themselves currently mm. and stuff like that, right? So um, we really are not sure. And uh, although over the past few weeks or days, right, we see tech stocks start uh, shooting up again, yeah? But I would say that to a certain extent, the the there are some individual factors that lead to it. But overall, in the macro perspective, there is still a lot of threats, right? Like, for example, unemployment rates. Mm. Yeah, For example, a lot of companies are still still d- discussing about laying off. Yep. And, and these are still very, very real problems that mm. are still here. Now, definitely we can say that um, it has been a while. Maybe, you know, we are just too slow to get the latest news and market is always forward-looking and right now the data that we're looking at is actually backward-looking data. So, yeah, it could be that. Mm-hmm. It could be that. Yeah. But at this point, you still don't have very strong, solid information that's coming in and it's saying that, yeah, things are going to be great moving ahead. Yeah, even... uh, Okay, so one of the big news that uh, happened this week or in the past 10 days is one of it is the, uh, the Fed speech which happened yesterday. The other one was China. Mm. China actually came up with a statement to say that they are going to accelerate the speed of vaccination for the elderly. So that created a speculation that, oh, that are you saying that you are getting ready for a reopening maybe by March or April next year? So when that news hit also, uh, it created a very good uh, sentiment in the Hong Kong market and the Chinese market at least. Um, if I'm not mistaken, on that day itself, uh, Hong Kong index uh, jumped up by 4%. Mm. Yeah, but subsequently then people digested the news and think that, uh, mm, see how first lah, after they vaccinate and see whether where they want to go because Yes, on one hand, they say that they are going to accelerate vaccination. But on the other hand, they are very quiet about reopening. People yeah. ask them, oh, so are you going to reopen? They say, oh, right now our focus is we want to vaccinate our elderly mm-hmm. first. So yeah. yeah, so what does that mean? Is it going to mean that they're going to reopen the economy? If they reopen, then of course it's good. It creates a lot of economic activities because they are the world's second largest economy. It will get things going. Mm. And when things get going, then of course people will will do business, do transactions, make money, then it will all translate into your uh, profitability as well. That's right, yeah. yeah. So nonetheless, the point is that um, there is still a lot of this uncertainty. And as we are talking, some of you guys are commenting saying 11-11 sales in China was down too. Mm. And this is not the only time that I'm hearing this. You know, over the past one, two months, I've been hearing people telling me e-commerce sales has slowed down so much. Yeah. Yeah, like I had friends who actually they were earning good money on uh, e-commerce, right? And they are saying that things are really, really slowing down. 
things are really, really slowing down. And so on the consumer level, right, in the ground level, you can see actual people spending less money. Mm. That That's the truth, right? That's the, Even as a business, we can feel it. Yep. We can feel it. We can feel that our clients are more cautious. Mm. We can feel that like uh, people are, are less willing to risk things. Yeah. And Melvin also just put in a statement there saying that in, Intel is laying off their stuff. Mm. Yeah. So these kind of things are happening. So the thing is that although the market seems to be shooting up, uh, what you can safely assume, right, is that you see when 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 government lose uh, is there a problem with the internet connection? No, I think we are back. We're back? Yeah. Uh, Okay, if you guys can hear us, just write one in the comment for us. Now, at the meantime, I'm just going to continue with it, right? So uh, my point is this, right? Although the market actually shoots up, right? And when the government actually loosens all this interest rate and so on and ringgit strengthened and, and all, the question is that those money, uh, you see, money is supposed to be in, invested into economic activities. Mm. It's supposed to be invested into business to drive economy right but at this point right it seems like money that 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 is given to the people is not being used to drive economic activity anymore but it's used to speculate yeah this 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 happened very rampantly um before all this uh, interest rate high and all that so people get all this helicopter money from the government and so, then oh they think hey now i got extra money right i want to invest but the problem is that uh okay i know i want to invest but i don't know what to invest i don't know how to invest the easy way out is they started to buy things like ETFs, for example. Yes. Because ETF is a very easy to understand uh, investment tool. Like in Malaysia also, we have all this boom on um, all these uh, robo-advisors that, that actually allows you to invest in ETFs. But a lot of people actually don't understand what it is, right? They just blindly say, oh, because market every time hit all-time high, all-time high. And therefore, when ETF tracks all their performance, of course, it's showing all-time high as well. Mm. And people got excited they think that, oh, this is a good investment, then I should invest in it. Without understanding what it is, then they just throw money in. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And because I think I think there's some lagging issue right now. Is it? Yeah. Is it okay? Now you can hear us loud and clear, just write one for us. Yeah. See, that's why I hear unify, not time. Mm. Oi. Unify, if you can hear us, can help to... Yeah. yeah Never mind, we got new government. Yeah. Maybe we can double the speed, lower the price again. <laughs> just like last time. Uh, then everybody happy. Yeah. Okay. Now, going into that, here, here, here it really leads us into the next thing, right? So, uh, having said all this, during this time, um, Michael Burry, right? For those of you who do not know Michael Burry, he's the guy who predicted the 2008 uh, financial crisis. And so far, he's been right most of the time. If you look at his trading record for his hedge fund, mm. he, he has made great money, you know. Yeah, made just great money. Just a few months back, he sold everything, right? Yeah, I just saw a few months report, back. Yeah. You know, I, I recall that time, uh, there was one point, I think early of the year, he sold everything. He only hold call, call, uh, call Civic, if I'm not wrong, mm. the company. Uh, no, Joe. Joe or something like that. Lah. So, uh, maybe you can pull out the record and take a look. Uh, basically, what happened is that he holds the... Is that lagging? Damn. Should I, should I just continue? Yeah. Just continue. Lah, huh? Yeah. Uh, for those of you who actually missed this section or you want to hear a much clearer version, do 
check out our podcast. I think this is the best time to actually introduce our podcast once again, mm-hmm. The Real Money Show. Yeah, uh, we usually will upload our Thursday night lives into a podcast format on every Monday, all right? Yeah. So just go and check it out, yeah? Correct. But if you like visual, you can also check out our Money Hackers group on uh, Facebook, uh, whereby we will upload this video there so that yep. you can see the visual as well. That's right. Yeah. So nonetheless, we are going to just go on with it, right? Yeah. Mm. So sorry for the connection, something that we can't really control. Okay. Let's just go on with Michael Burry first, right? So Michael Burry actually made a prediction, right? And he's saying that the market is going to crash again. And uh, what happened is that if you actually look at his track record, he has been someone that is very accurate in terms of his prediction. Now, uh, definitely accuracy also comes with patience, uh, right? Mm. Until time proves him right. So uh, in fact, when he predicted the 2000 eight financial crisis he actually waited for about a year or two before it actually came to pass right now and uh early of the year he actually only owned like uh, one particular stock joe. then joe yeah. yeah then which is actually a, a correctional facility basically they run jails okay if you do not know in us jails are actually run by private contractors mm, jail as in prison jail as yeah. in prison okay yeah it's run by private contractor. So that's that's where it gets really interesting. <laughs> yeah, in America, everything is so privatized, right? Nonetheless, so he predicts that that is the one that's going to make money. And true enough, it, it, the price has been shooting up, right? Mm. It's been making money. Uh, and after that, he bought in some other companies, including a mixture of tech stock, right? Uh, Google and so on. Some of it he made, some of it lose. Uh, but generally, he still made pretty good money. Most of his calls were good. He generally is able to sell at near peak most mm. of the time. Right, uh, so and I realized that his style also he buys in a very deep value company companies that 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 has value and their valuation is so low, mm. yeah, and so it's like almost that it is a safe, safe bet kind of kind of thing already. Yeah, yeah. Now nonetheless, the point is, he's been saying that don't don't be too happy. By the end of this year, he made it very specific, huh? something like that, huh? So, but the point is that he want to say is that there is going to be an ETF bubble bursting. Ah, okay. Yeah, he said that the next burst is going to be an ETF burst. Mm. And why does he say that there's going to be an ETF burst? Now, all of us, many people have been investing in ETF because it's kind of like the dummy's guide to invest. You just sit there, be lazy, yeah. throw in your money, and then you invest in ETF. Mm. And and let's be honest, ETF performance over the past 10 years has been stellar has been solid right because yeah that is because growth, yeah right? that's because all your benchmarks are all hitting all all time high during during the past two years mm. yeah so why is he predicting that because he says this one thing right at the end of the day in the actual stock market right what do you actually buy you actually buy companies that are making money mm. right Com- share price should reflect in the long run, the profitability of a company, mm. right? But when ETF came into the picture, they did not buy stocks according to profitability. They buy stocks according to where they are placed, which index they are in. So what this means is, if there's going to be a company called Company C, okay, Company C, and they are in the stock market, if let's say they are a great company, but they are not on the S&P 500, yeah. You can't be bothered because Correct. the ETF Correct. mandate says I can only invest in the top 500 company and no matter how good they are, I'm not going to be bothered because it says very clearly invest in the top 500. Now, 
consequently, if let's say company C is in the S&P 500 and they're losing money every day, mm. they're losing money, they are lousy, you know, things are turning bad. Well, they still don't care. They are still going to invest in it because the mandate says very clearly that I'm only going to invest in the top 500 company, regardless of their performance. And yep. so because of that, it removes a true price discovery in the market where you are just investing not because of business activities, but just blindly investing. And mm. this will end up causing a huge problem. Yep. Time and time again, history has told us this one thing. When you're investing in businesses, uh, when you're investing in stocks, not based on their economic activity, usually, usually it leads to some sort of a crash. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but 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 why ETF has become so popular is because uh number one, it takes away uh the need to actually do a lot of research. Because number one, uh, ETF is a diversification of a portfolio, right? So by doing that diversification, it minimizes the risk of having to hold a certain companies. So a lot of people say, that, okay, lah, since you already diversified the risk, my risk is lower, then I just throw in one lump sum money, I don't need to do research. You help me to invest in uh, the top 500 companies, the, the whatever companies that are in the index, then okay, I'm fine already. I call myself a very good investor. And in the past, it worked because um, since early 2000 until right up to 2019, 2020, the stock market has been on the one-way direction, which is up. So of course, the track record is also very good. It convinced a lot of people to put money in ETFs. Mm. And like you mentioned just now, uh, so it, it took away the price discovery thing. So for example, if let's say we have two companies, ah, this is a very good example. Um, let's say TM is a very, TM is a bigger company than time.com, right? That's for yes. sure. But in terms of the quality of the business and the profitability and whatnot, maybe, maybe the smaller one it's better because it's smaller, it's easy to maneuver uh, in their field. But TM is a big it's a big elephant, so it's harder for them to uh, change their direction. But because time.com is not in the index, but if you have a KLCI um, ETF, you cannot buy time.com, even though it's a better company. But yep. you need to buy TM because it is in the index. Yep. Yeah, so that is the problem. Yeah, so so having said that, right, so that is what he's trying to say, right? And and because of that, eventually what happened is that many stocks are overinflated. Mm. Many stocks are overinflated because just by the virtue of being in the S&P 500. Uh, I mean, if you if you can see, right, it was it was quite clear. And when, when Tesla at one point, it hit the amount and then it went to S&P 500, it just shot up like crazy. And then after that, it just went down. Yeah. And when it dropped off, it just went down. Why? Because at the end of the day, they just had to. They just had to. Uh, what do you call that? Uh, uh, sell Tesla socks at the end of the day. So that's basically what happened, uh. mm. Yeah. So uh, anyway, for those of you guys who are watching right now, uh, we understand that you guys are suffering with bad connection. We can see the viewers are dropping yeah. because <laughs> of that as well. But like, like what we say, uh, if you can hear this, you know, uh, just go and check out uh, our our video tomorrow on Money Hackers mm -hmm. or either on Monday is going to be on our podcast, The Real Money Show. Okay. Nonetheless, going back to the topic itself. Now, so this creates a problem. Mm. Okay. When, when there's a panic sell in individual stocks, right? If there's a panic selling in individual stock, it only affects one stock. Correct. 
But when there's a panic selling in ETF... Oh, is the whole basket of stocks affected? 500 stocks get affected. Yeah. That is the problem. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so imagine it... Just imagine now, if all the ETF funds suddenly say, right, we're going to close shop. Uh, mm-hmm. Suddenly, right, I can tell you it will literally crash. Because at this point right now, if we are not wrong, uh, based on some of the research that we have seen, uh, I think generally they say that out of all the S&P 500 company, 20% of their stocks are actually owned by ETF. 20%, you know. Wow, that means to say if everybody close shop, then the market could potentially fall by 20%. Yes, that's if everyone is logic. Uh. But if you have another 30% of people who are not logic, it's going to fall by 50%. Mm. And what are the percentage of people who will not be logic? Mm. Yeah, and opportunities, right? Yep. Take the time to short the market and so on. And it's just bound to happen. It's just bound to happen. And and these twenty percent are investing and not investing, not based on whether a company is solid or not, but purely based on rules and regulations that allows them to do so. Yeah. Yeah. And that could be a huge crash if that happens. Mm. Yeah. And right now, what we can see is that as companies are as 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 nation is starting to do monetary tightening right for a while right now yep. we can see you know people are a little bit more cautious to spend right and as if let's say uh, an employment rate goes on you know all these beautiful stories you know start waning off then yeah there is a possibility of that happening mm. a possibility right? yeah maybe we can help uh, our audience to understand a little bit on the trading of ETF as well just now you were doing some research about all this primary and secondary market kind of thing so maybe we can play a scenario of how how trading of ETFs actually happen in the market mm. so they can understand if let's say there's a panic selling in ETF how does it really affect the market as a whole Mm. Right. So, for example, let's say you want to invest in ETF because uh, you don't know how to do research, but you are very interested to invest in the stock market. So, for example, then you 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 give it to a fund management company, let's say mm. one hundred ringgit, and say that I specifically want you to invest in KLCI ETF. Yes. Meaning to say, as the fund manager, he needs to take that one hundred ringgit and invest in the top thirty stocks that is inside the KLCI uh, component stocks. Um, according to the weightage of the market cap. Mm. Okay. And then then after that, they will create one ETF unit and give it back to you. Yeah. As uh, in the crypto world, we call it a token. Yeah. It's right. kind of like a unit trust unit. Correct. Right? Uh, it's yeah, like yeah. a unit. So that is one unit of ETF KLCI unit given to Peter. Mm. Okay. Then after holding for six months, Peter thinks, that, okay, lah, uh, I'm fed up with this ETF fund. I want to sell. So you will go to the market and sell that one unit of ETF. Now, what happens in the normal circumstances is that, let's say, for example, now I would like to invest in KLCI ETF. Mm. Then since you want to sell, right, I will just buy it over from you. That's right. So from from the fund manager's perspective, he doesn't need to do anything because it's just a transaction between me and Peter. Two end users. Yeah, two end users. It's between you and me. Now, the problem will come if let's say Peter wants to sell that unit of ETF, but there's no buyer in the market. Mm. So what happens is that in order to read, because you want to sell, ma, means you want to take the money back. Ma. So how, yeah. to, how to give you that money? Le? The fund manager would have to liquidate the stocks that he invested based on that top 30 stocks on KLCI, liquidate those stocks, raise the money and give you back the 100 ringgit. Assuming right. it is still 100 ringgit, la, then give you yeah. back the 100 ringgit. Now, 
it is still fine if it is one person redeeming his ETF unit. But what if the whole world is doing the same thing? Mm. That, that is where the problem comes. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So literally, it means that you have a fund that has no money to buy anything. Correct. Yeah, they have to sell. And that's when they are going to sell off their portion. You you don't, honestly, you don't need 20% of the people to sell to crash the market. Uh, I think 5 10%. 5% going up already. Yeah. It's going to have a huge effect already. Correct. Yeah, it's going to drop by about 10 20% at least already. Mm. Yeah. So so that is one big question mark of will that happen or not. Uh, and like we say before, and like many times you follow uh, Michael Burry, he tends to be quite correct. La. <laughs> yeah, so Even though we don't want him to be correct, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't really like his, but okay, fair, you know, he mm. yeah, he, he has been uh, quite uh, you know, yeah, quite accurate so far. Mm. No. Uh having said that as well, uh, I think many people are pretty much scared, right? A lot of people are quite scared about what's gonna happen. But nonetheless, it's not gonna stop anyone from trying to make money from the stock market. Yeah, yeah, right now, I think it is pretty much a trading market. So, you know, there was a good news yesterday. A market is going to trade on it. Yesterday was the first day. Chances are it's going to continue for a day or two. But then after that, reality kicks in and say, hey, actually, things are not doing so well. Then maybe if they are sitting on a good profit, then maybe they want to start to take profit. That's right. And hopefully it's just a profit taking correction. No new bad news come out to actually spiral it downwards to mm. be even worse. That's right. Now, so, some people are also asking, right? Eh, then going back to the topic of ETF itself, because mm. some people are asking this question, but ETF has assets to back up one, ma, and mm-hmm. they can actually sell those assets to give you back money. Yeah, legit. Uh, so legit. And those assets are actually the stocks. Ah. <laughs> they're selling, they're they're selling, selling the, the stocks. Stock. Uh. Yeah. So uh, they, it's not like ETF owns house and then they have one-to-one backing for every dollar you give me, I have one more dollar. It doesn't work like that one, you know. Mm. It doesn't work like that. It's just... You give me one dollar, I'm gonna invest one dollar. That's all. Yeah. In fact, when you give me one dollar, I'm gonna charge you one percent, and then I'm gonna invest ninety nine cent. Ninety nine cent. Yeah. Yeah. That that's how it goes. Okay. So, uh, there's no the asset backing is the stock, and and yeah, they're gonna sell the stocks. That's just how it's gonna happen. Mm. Now, uh, having said that as well, right? Mm, if that's not enough of a grim story right now, uh, maybe let's talk a little bit about. Credit Suisse, right? Mm. Yeah, so we have been talking about Credit Suisse for the past two weeks. Right. Right, uh, and you have been following Credit Suisse news for the longest of time. Yeah, uh, uh, Not the longest of time, uh, just this period of time uh, <laughs> when they got themselves into trouble, then I start to take a look at them. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, maybe you want to share with us a little bit about Credit Suisse. What is it? Okay. I mean, we've heard of this so many times. Uh, most people have heard of Credit Suisse yeah. at least. Uh, maybe I'll give a little bit of background about what kind of company this is first. Mm-hmm. And then like, what is the issue with them lately? Okay, so Credit Suisse is one of the top 50 banks in the world. Uh, during my time, if you tell people that, wow, I work in Credit Suisse, you're like, oh, okay, you're at the JP Morgan level. Yeah, man. Until yeah. last year, so I think it's uh, the same. Until this year, <laughs> it's still like that. You know, uh, uh, in fact, uh, JP Morgan had, uh, had a small scale of layoff and then Credit Suisse was, was, was very generous. All come here. All come and work for me. And that, that was in July only, you know, July. So less than six months ago, they did that. But then now they fire everybody. <laughs> okay. Uh, but what happened is that um, there are a series of scandals that is uh, surrounding Credit Suisse lately. Uh, first, The first one is, if you all recall, uh, not too long ago, there's this um, hedge fund managers uh, called Bill Huang. 
Mm, right, yeah. we talk about Bill Huang in Arche one of our Goss. Uh, yeah. Arche Goss, right? Uh, the guy who actually shorted the the market and then make 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 all the banks lose billions of ringgit, uh, ring millions billions of dollars, correct? Uh, and in fact, this this particular fund had caused Credit Suisse to lose, if I'm not mistaken, uh, four point seven billion dollars. Mm. One company make a bank lose four point seven billion dollars, right? That is uh, so. One hole created over there. Then they also have this investment in this uh, British financial service company called Greensill Capital. Uh, Greensill Capital, their, their principal business is uh, very easy. You also see that in Malaysia as well. It's, it's a different form of uh, lending and borrowing. Mm. So for example, Mr. My TV as a company, we want to raise some funds. Mm. But we, so when we go to the bank, the bank say, you are too small. I, I cannot fund your business because I need to have collateral. Yep. Then you say, oh, uh, even though my business is small, yes, I understand that my, my, my balance sheet is not able to carry that kind of uh, risk. But I have this... Um, accounts receivable. Accounts receivable. Yeah. Yes. Means my client owe me, say, 1 million ringgit. Yeah. But and I haven't collect one. I'm going to use this... Payment is 30 days, let's say. Uh, uh, 30 days later, they will pay according to this invoice. I'm going to use this as my collateral because... Very low risk, ma. 30 days later, my client is going to pay me already. And this client is probably some, some uh, popular, some good names, ah, right? So, yep. okay. Then the bank says, ah, okay, lah. I can accept that as a collateral. So, okay, I give the invoice to the bank. Then the bank, the bank allows me to borrow yeah. some money from So, it. this is what we call invoice financing. Invoice actually. financing. So, Credit Suisse has this company called Green Seal Capital. Green Seal Capital is doing this kind of business where they do all this invoice financing and supply chain financing, that kind of stuff. Unfortunately, um, because of the situation in Europe, you know, supply chain got disrupted and all that, that business turned out to be loss making and Green Seal lost uh, how much? Three three billion dollars. No, uh, Credit Suisse has invested about ten billion. Okay. Yeah, and then they did, they lost thirty percent of it. So three billion. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they lost three billion. So now they lost seven billion. Seven billion already. In just a short span of two three. Yes, years. correct. And then in February twenty twenty two, uh, Credit Suisse was was charged with being involved in money laundering, <laughs> right? Uh, don't know whether it's related to one MDB or whatnot, but. Probably, probably they are related somehow. But apart from that, chances are they also involved in other forms of uh, all this trafficking. Uh. They got fined as well, right? For for this. Uh, uh, of course, laundering. if you are caught money laundering and all that, according to the law, no matter where you are, even if you are in Switzerland, you will get fined. Uh, but I'm not sure what was the fine over there. I think it's quite small number. La. Not not big. La. I think in millions. Uh, in millions. Uh. Uh, not in millions. Uh. In millions. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what is more important is that then subsequently there's also reports that um, some of the client information was leaked, which uh, lead to a lot of their high net worth customers to be afraid, panic, and then withdrew money from the bank. Yep. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think about $10 billion worth of uh, uh, asset under management being withdrawn out from Credit Suisse. Hmm. And then there were a lot of speculation to say that, oh, so where did the money go? Which mm. bank did it go? Because yeah. I want to buy that bank. Correct. Right? There are some speculation that says that, oh, it went to another Switzerland bank, yeah. UBS, you know, that kind of stuff. But this information leak, I think is a killer because Swiss bank has always prided itself for privacy. Yes. Right? And and the, the leak is actually for account holders who owns more than 100 billion Swiss francs in their account. 
So you are talking about super ultra high net worth. Uh. Yeah. You are talking about the jokers who actually got leaked the detail yeah. as in that one bank account, 100 billion yeah. Swiss yeah. francs. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why our political scene is so dramatic because we got a lot of information. Yeah. Hey, but you think about <laughs> it, uh, 100 billion Swiss francs. Means uh, these people who got leaked out, right? 30,000 of them, uh, they are richer than the whole nation, the, yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. world combined eh, almost. Yeah, we yeah. can only admire and see. Like, it's, yeah. <laughs> we will crazy, never get that crazy. kind of money. Yeah, right? so they straight away say, well, I don't get my privacy. I'm going to withdraw my money. And mm. now if you're talking about out of all of them, if let's say we say half of them withdraw, so uh, it's 15,000 times 100 billion. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that is the kind of trouble that they are they are in right now. Uh, of course they are doing a lot of things to uh, try to try to calm the market. One of the things that they are doing is they are coming out with rights issue whereby um, for every seven shares that you own in Credit Suisse, you're able to buy two new shares at two fifty two Swiss franc. Mm. At that time the price was four dollars. Mm. <laughs> which means to say it's almost 50% discount to buy the rights. So when people saw that, um, even without talking about fundamental, if you're a shareholder, right? Yeah, hey, I just sell $4 now, like, I can buy back at $2 later. Ma. Right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that created a negative spiral on the share price and it just kept dropping, dropping, dropping. So from $4 when they announced the rights issue, today is only $2.73. Very close to their $2.52 rights <laughs> issue price. I think you'll probably stop there. Lah. Yeah. If if they manage to ride through this uh, crisis, they will probably stop at 252. If not, if they lose further confidence on their um, um, on their banking operation, it will go down further than 252. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Their, their, their peak price at 2018 was about like six, six, eight, 16 or 18? Uh. No, about uh, 17. Yeah. And then right now it's about 273. So... Yeah, basically, bunkus already. Lah. Basically, yeah, bunkus already. Is, uh, so, uh, this is the last chance. If they are able to raise that $4 billion from the market, then it can help them to uh, at least survive through this couple of months when they try to move things around. But the question is, given all these scandals and all these allegation, right? If they come to you and ask you for money to help to save them, uh, <laughs> who, who would be kind enough to do that gesture? To Credit Suisse. No, I, I think the only way that they can get out of this right now is either the government the build government. them up. Correct. Yeah, the, the only way is the government build them out. Yeah. yeah. If the government don't build them out, I think it's going to be tough. And because they are such a big bank, right? It's going to be really hard to build them out. Yeah. Uh, so They're the world top 50 banks. Yeah. It, it's not easy, you know. It's not like they their operation is only in Swiss, you know. It's all, all around the world. world you know. yeah, yeah, in Malaysia also got Credit Suisse. Yeah. And, and if you want to build them out, how on earth are you going to build them out? So the the chance is is that they'll end up merging. Now, here's where here's where it gets interesting, right? You see, hmm, some people are probably wondering, eh, can't they do just stop people from withdrawing like FTX or, <laughs> or <laughs> withhold withdrawal? Uh, can do that one or not? Uh, banks are the most regulated industry in the world. <laughs> you, if, if there's a bank run, you can ask help from the central bank, but... Um, it's it's very hard to stop people from withdrawing their money because it's their money, it's not right. your money. Right? So because there's no because in in banks at the end of the day, the only thing they can do to stop a bank run is really they go and close their shop, right? But yeah. if they happen to do that, I think it's gonna 
I think they can just throw it bunkus eh, No, all, all they can do is just say that, okay, all the cash that I have in the bank has already been withdrawn. Maybe you want to come and try again tomorrow. Yes. But that kind of an answer you tell to a customer tomorrow and see, already, tomorrow your whole- No money. Yeah, no, finish no money. already. That's why Correct. there's things called bank repo, right? Correct. Where you immediately go and borrow from the next branch or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and and yes, maybe what the worst thing that can happen is government straight away declare public holiday immediately on the spot. Uh, right? Bank holiday. Uh, so bank tomorrow holiday. all the banks not tomorrow, open. You cannot uh, yeah, withdraw. But, <laughs> but um, usually when it comes to the point, you are repeating what 1930s happened. Mm. Right? So uh, we have to remember that 1930s bank run became like, if if in a way anything similar is kind of like the FTX recently. Yeah. Right? And uh, once it's regulated, it should be the thing that that prevents anything from happening and government will do whatever it can to make sure that you don't lose your money. Well, unless you're in China, then there's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah. Uh, nonetheless, you still get back a little bit. Usually there's some sort of a PIDM kind of thing, right? In yeah. Malaysia, but in overseas, uh, I'm not sure, different kind of thing. But the point is, uh, I guess here is where you will start appreciating regulation to a certain extent. Mm. Uh, nonetheless, nonetheless, we, we have heard all this about Credit Suisse, right? The chances of it uh, going down and stuff like that. But do, do you think that Credit Suisse going, if let's say they really have to close shop, how big of a scale is it going to affect the global economy? Uh, okay, because uh, they are the world's top 50 banks and they have operation in most of the banks uh, and they deal with a lot of businesses around the world, at least if you just talk about their customers being affected and their customers are global businesses and it will affect their their funding you know how they run their operations and all that so i think it will trigger to a cascade effect to other businesses as well mm. if they fail just yeah. like how the 2008 uh, subprime mortgage crisis happened when lehman brothers fell it affected the whole world not just lehman brothers that's and right. the country uni that's right because they have operations all around the world yeah. So think about it, right? Uh, why does it affect everyone? Uh, it's very simple, and you know, uh, you must think about it. Like Credit Suisse is such a big bank, which means, let's say, assuming in Malaysia there are five offices, right? And each of these offices they have a uh, one hundred staff, right? So there are five hundred staff in Malaysia, let's say, and these five hundred staff are likely have their own loans with Maybank, CIMB, or whatnot. Yeah, and then they have their their usual purchases and so on businesses that they go to, and suddenly they lose their job, so they also cannot pay back their loan, and this is going to trigger into other banks having a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's going to trigger into this whole domino effect. Businesses will have to close. And then when one business closes, it affects one another, da, 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 and it just goes on and on. So uh, there is a good possibility that it will cause a huge market panic at least. Mm. Yeah. So therefore, with these few things around, right? And, and let's not forget, usually banks are in the index. Yeah. Banks are usually important component in that. Yeah. Yeah. And banks are the proxy for the economy. Yes. Yeah. So so I the only way that I can think about like okay, if Warren uh, Warren uh, Warren Buffett if Michael Burry is going to be correct, mm. this could be the trigger point. Mm. Yeah. Because when this happens, then what happens is that uh people feel that wow, even ETF is and then I'm losing my money, I need to start cashing in mm. to and then it triggers a whole selling, right? Yeah. So then that could be the mother of all crashes. Yeah. Yeah. So when we thought thought that last round was mother of all crashes, then <laughs> maybe mother haven't come out yet. <laughs> <laughs> that was the sister. <laughs> yeah. So um 
there are still quite a lot of threats that are existing in this market at this point. Mm, you really want to tread very carefully because we're we yeah. standing on very thin ice. Yeah. Yeah, standing on very thin ice. Yeah, and uh, actually the market has been hinting us about uh, impending crisis that is happening. And that can be seen from the inverted U curve, mm. right? So maybe some of you don't understand what is an inverted U curve. So uh, let us again play a demonstration right here. So under normal circumstances, right, if you were to borrow money from me, let's say for example, and you so tell let's me say that- I want to go to Frankie, I want to borrow money. Yeah, let's say, oh, I just need it for 30 days. Next month, I pay you back. Mm. It's very highly likely that I will lend the money to him because next month, he's going to pay me back. Yep. Then I say, oh, okay, la, friend, friend, uh, I, I lend you 1,000, you just pay me 1,001 after 30 mm. days, okay? Even though the rate is quite high. So 10%. Yeah, 10%, even though the rate is quite high. But let's say, for example, today he come back to me again. He said, um, actually, I need the money for longer time because, uh, mm. uh, because you know, business is not good and uh, I need to buy milk powder for my babies and all that. I need it for five years. Then, wow, 30 days or so you cannot pay now. You're going to take the money for five years. Okay, I can, as a friend, as a friend I will still lend you the money. But instead of interest rate of 110%, I'm going to charge you 50% interest. Mm. So you have to pay me back 1,500. Because the risk for him is higher because there's the a longer, is time, a longer period. time period. Yeah. Yeah. So I need to take into account that the risk that I'm taking for the next five years. Mm. So that is normal economic uh, circumstances. Now what is happening in the world is that there's an inverted yield curve. Yep. Meaning to say the whole world theory turned upside down 180 <laughs> degree. Meaning to say, now he come to me and say that, uh, I need the money for five years. I'll say, oh, five years. Ah. Uh, yes, there's risk involved, but I'm going to charge you 10% interest rate. Mm. So five years later, you'll pay me 1,001. Oh, good deal, good deal. Yeah. yeah. And then the second situation is, yeah, I need the money 1,000 ringgit, but don't worry, 30 days later, I'll pay you back already. Shit, wait, I don't even know 30 days you are here or not. Inflation high, la, you got Ukraine war, la, China lockdown. La. I don't even know whether you can survive tomorrow or not. I think I better charge you higher interest rate. 1,005, 30 days. Take or not. So, terbalik. Yeah, the, so the world who is terbalik. The, the point is, you rather... So why does he actually do that? Some of you may be wondering, right? The reason being is because of this. He is so afraid of what is going to happen in this world right now. Mm. He had rather keep his money with me in long term because at least I can guarantee that in long term I can give him ten percent. Mm. Okay, but shorter term he really cannot see, and he thinks that it's so dangerous. It's either cash or nothing. Correct. Yeah. So that is when the world has this whole turn around in terms of like concept. I if those of you are hearing it for the first time and you find it hard to grasp, yes, it is hard to grasp. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it is hard to grasp because it is not normal. Yeah. yeah. So just to give you the hard real number, uh, the two-year bond yield in the US is now trading at 4.3%. So meaning to say, uh, if you invest in two-year treasury bond in the US, every year you get 4.3% interest rate return. But if you invest in five years or 10 years treasury bond in the US, you're only getting around 36 to 3.8%. Mm. So it's lower. So it doesn't make sense. Invest long term, you get lower return, but you invest short term, you get higher return. Yeah. So think about it like FD, you put longer, you're supposed to get a better return, right? Yeah. Yeah. But right now it's like bank is telling you a hey, one month deposit is going to be better. Mm. Yeah. So you're like, whoa, isn't that a damn good deal? <laughs> mm. So that's how it works. But so this means that the world's perspective, uh, a lot of investors are, are 
are are, are thinking about it in a very um a very very different manner. Already. Yeah, so you want to be aware of all this. Uh, now, definitely, uh, at the end of the day, there's only two ways to look at this and what should you do, right? Now, if as usual, I, every time on this show, I tell people this thing. If you want to do a lazy investing and you don't want to think so much, the best way is actually just dollar cost average. So on a monthly basis, don't bother. Just throw in a small portion, right? Whether it's 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, you know, just split it up bits by bits, right? And then just keep cash, right? And then just spread it out right mm. until you see the right opportunity now however if you're the kind of person who actually has a lump sum and you're thinking okay i want to go all in i don't want to think about it then perhaps this time is a time that you only take out a small portion still don't go all in because it's okay the first rule of investing is don't lose money yep <laughs> don't lose money yes it's okay to earn a little bit lesser yeah yeah so that's the moral of the story here tonight. Mm. So we hope uh, tonight's uh, session is one of those days that we really go back into economics, really go back into money and investing. Um, I hope you guys like more of this kind of stuff, right? Mm. Uh, I think uh, based on many requests from the people, next year onwards, we are going to start doing regular uh, educational series, right? Yeah, so one of the things that we are planning to do is that we are planned to uh, have more regular uh, stock investment bootcamp. That's for one. Uh, we plan to have more We plan piles. to bring back stockpiles as yeah, well. Yeah, we plan to bring back stockpiles. Yeah, and uh, we are also planning uh, some other forms of uh, content as well. Maybe on a daily basis, weekly basis, you know, that kind yep. of thing. So that we are more... Uh, keep ourselves up to date with what is going on That's around right. the world so that can help us to make investment decisions right. as well. Because at the end of the day, uh, whatever it is, at this point right now, we are in a very bleak situation still to a certain extent. But yes, we are either at the end of bleak or either at the worst turn. Mm. But either way, it is in the darkest times that you have the opportunity, right? It is in the darkest minds that you will find gold and diamonds. So mm. if you don't want to learn now, learn when, man. Yeah, <laughs> you maybe end up buying ETF and then you are you are yeah. you are you are stuck in the loop. Right. So yeah. it, it kind of reminds me, right? Like like people who get caught in glove stocks, mm. they actually only started investing when the whole market is so hot. Mm. Yeah, because when the market just started, they still don't believe it. By then, only they all by the market is so hot. The time only they start entering. And yeah. then they got burned and then they think that the market is a casino, right. is gambling. So they went out of the market. Right. And then when market go hot again, all their friends starts making money, they become jealous and then they go in again at the peak and then the again, they are stuck in the loop. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, so for those who are wondering how we're going to plan to execute it, uh, currently we are still planning, but I will say that uh, we are thinking of something more of a subscription-based kind of idea where you guys can access to one shot all the kind of things. Uh, we will probably also make some most of the things into uh, e-learning as well yep. and uh, and both live and also uh, regular sessions and uh, some people are asking for coaching actually yeah so if you guys are interested in like more longer term coaching I, I won't be doing it I'll be focusing on the media side <laughs> yeah uh, many of it will be Frankie yeah so uh, I'll be just assisting him on the process because I'll be busy on the media creative end uh, for of our business and if it wouldn't be a coaching coaching because it's very hard to coach, but it's more like a price discovery together. Together, we try to go through the documents yeah. and go through the stuff and see hey, right, whether yeah. it suits you or not. Then you go and make your own decision. Eh? Well, but let's not reveal too much first. Uh, but generally, please uh, help us as well by 
voting for it, right? If let's say you think that you'll be interested in a more subscription version rather than uh, like, you know, every time when we have them, we promote. Uh, if you actually notice the way, actually, actually we felt a bit bad lah when we were talking about it. We are doing our year-end review. So we said that actually this whole year, we barely even do anything about education. Yeah, correct. Because <laughs> we are so busy with our media business, mm. right? Yeah, so then uh, a lot of people has been asking us, texting us on uh, Instagram and everything all. So uh, we thought like, okay, I think next year we should just yeah. focus but on nonetheless, uh, I hope you guys enjoy Mr. Money TV content. I'm The whole team has put on a lot That's of right. effort. Uh, a very big thank you to them as well. Uh, so maybe we take the opportunity that um, next year, maybe we can shift a little bit of uh, attention on the, on the education side. Then we can together, hopefully, price discover together. And then, you know, it's, it's the best time. You know, crisis time, everything is cheap, everything is low. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you can pick up one of two skills and pick your own stocks in your own preference, then that would be great. In fact, I just uh, loaded up on uh, Interactive Broker. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just loaded some money into it uh, to fund the account even more. Uh, mm. Not buying anything yet, just putting oh, the money getting there. ready. Uh, loaded look up. at some uh, U- US stocks again, mm. right? Yeah, just think about buying, right? Uh, I think we've talked about it for for a very long time, right? Like, for example, uh, we've, I've spoke about ASML, right? If you bought ASML, I think you'll be pretty happy today. Yeah, uh, we talked about TSMC. Uh, we talked about uh, we talked about quite a lot of US stocks here and then. So mm-hmm. far, it's been um, mm, I, I would say that like so far okay lah, okay lah, huh? mm. So far okay lah, not bad, not bad. So anyway, uh, that's about it for the topic. Yeah. yeah. So we hope you guys enjoy it. And right now, let us just go into a very quick time of Q and A. Yeah. Let me answer that first question from you, folk. How you guys loaded up fund your account in Interactive Broker? We are just talking about it the other day. Um, so the next video on uh, my channel, the factual, we are going to dive into um, all this how to use Interactive Broker kind of uh, content. So hopefully that will help to answer your question. Yep. Mm. Yeah. But generally, it helps if you open up a CIMB Singapore account. Uh, yeah, you can just open it up all online. Yeah. Yep, no need to go Singapore. Yes, that's right. But yeah, the process is a little bit slow, but okay, la, no bad. La. Actually, it's quite fast. La. It's not that slow. I want two days scouting already. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So, like 86 full is asking, do you have any news on SCGM? Uh, no, man. Like, like, like we mentioned just now yesterday, we have meeting until one o'clock, two o'clock in yeah, the morning. Yeah, so yeah. we we really got no time to look at news specifically. Uh, but what we are doing is we are we keep ourselves updated on the macro happenings yep, around yep. us. And I think lately our attention ha- a lot has been on the U.S. market as well. Correct, correct. Yeah. Um, because Malaysian, that because that has been influencing the local market. That's yeah. right. That's right. And also on the on the local end, it was politically quite shaky. Uh. I mean, until now, it's uh, still a little bit Correct. question mark. Mm. Uh, but yeah. Mm. So someone is asking, uh, is is IB, Interactive Broker, better than eToro? Okay, so I have to tell you this one thing. When you're buying stocks on eToro, you are not buying stocks. You're actually buying something what we call CFD. Yeah. So it's actually a contract for difference, which means that you're actually making a side bet. Okay. Uh, I will not go into in-depth on what is CFD, uh, but you can watch my previous video a few years back where I made on what is CFD and uh, uh, eToro and stuff like that. Now, definitely if you're talking about the ease of use, eToro is quite easy, right? Uh, interactive broker, on the other hand, is more for people who are slightly more advanced. Uh, and definitely, I would say that it's better because number one, you're buying the stock. You're not buying a CFD. Okay, that's number one. Uh, number two, there is a huge selection of stock. 
eToro doesn't have all the stocks in. Yeah, it only has all the more hot stock. Mm. Yeah. And if <coughs> you want to do analysis on stock and stuff like that, I do find that once you get a hang of a interactive broker, it it becomes much more easier and much more informative. Lah. Yeah. So uh, I would say interactive broker is actually a very good choice and and more importantly is that they've been around for super, super long. Yeah, I think more than 10, 15 yeah, years already. Very, very long. And they've kept to all the local regulations so that they don't end up getting into trouble. Mm. Yeah. So it's not on like watch list or anything like that. Yeah. And it's a it's a proper proper what la? Proper, proper broker. Proper broker la. Yeah. In fact, there's a, there's even institution who uses their services. Mm. That that's how it works. Because right? their service is quite cheap. Yeah, yeah. They are, they were known to be cheap. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, they are known to be cheap. And one thing I do like is you can buy fractional shares, which means that, uh, especially for Malaysians, our exchange rate is not very high. It's not going to be easy for you to buy like one whole Tesla or Apple, right? Because it's about 200 over USD just for one. And what you, how many can you buy, mm. right? So, but when when you are buying on Interactive Booker, it allows you to just buy fraction of the share. So you can say, I buy 50, 50 bucks then you own 50 bucks worth of Apple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I would say that's the case. Mm. Okay. So uh, I have a question. Uh, given that certain broker like Mumu and Tiger have a track record of losing money according to their EPS, uh, basically these companies are not making money. Will it be a safety issue? Well, if your broker closed down, if they are a registered broker, especially in a country like Singapore, it shouldn't be a problem because your money is not placed with them, but with a trust. All right. Yeah. So unless it is not with a trust, then you have a problem. So here's where certain companies like eToro, they may or may not put in the trust because uh, although they actually, based on what they put out, they do put in trust, uh, but who is there to audit it? is a question uh, and and but I would say that eToro is one of the good ones uh, right yeah but there are a lot who actually don't do that and they just run away your money mm. yeah that's so, how FTX crash <laughs> yep that's right yeah so is US stocks better than Malaysia stock it's very hard to say which one is better but of course ultimately is the management of the respective companies if they have good management they run their business well uh, there's growth every year um, and then better still if they can pay dividend consistently then no matter where they are even if they are in africa it will still be a good company to invest in at the end of the day it comes down to individual right how good they are and their stuff but on the other hand if you actually look at it an african man is generally genetically much more built for athletics mm. yeah they can just do 50 sit-ups a day and you see them having six packs. It's just how it works, right? And for an Asian dude, if you're going to do 50 sit-ups a day, you're still going to look like a skinny-ass monkey, <laughs> right? So, so sorry. You're just not not genetically that built for it. It takes time to prime a little bit more. So, mm -hmm. yes, but are there certain Chinese who just somehow are genetically almost athletically perfect? Yes, they are. Are there some African dudes who are not genetically built for athleticism. Yeah, they are as well. Mm. So, but general population of stereotype, stereotype. Ah, yeah. yeah. No, but, but it's real. But it's real. Right. Yeah, over over many years of evolution, right? Yeah. 
that's the truth. Yeah. So, but anyway, mm-hmm. I'm trying to get six packs, you know. So, like, sometimes I see like black dudes, like, <laughs> no, seriously. So, last time I got this friend from Cameroon, mm. school friend, right, in uni. So, he's. He doesn't pack, go to the gym. Six pack. Mm. I said, what you do? He tell me, I just do sit ups 100 times and push up 100 times every day. Then I'm looking at him, I'm thinking, I have so many friends doing 100 every day, I don't see them. And it's tone muscle, tone, mm. tone. Also, diet and stuff like that, by the way. Mm. Yeah. But anyway, that's a whole different argument. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't buy leverage ETF like SQQQ on IB. What a requirement? Is there a minimum amount? Um, I think this one, uh, I can't really answer you because I, I don't really know what's your specific situation. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, let's not go into that. But mm. yeah. Sometimes it could be the risk management of your broker because it's a leverage ETF. So if the yes. bank thinks that you are not suitable for leverage products, then yeah. they will not allow you to buy. You do remember when you opened the IB that time, right? There is this whole set of questions. Uh, it will determine whether you can access to certain stuff or not. Mm. Yeah, so you must uh, know that part. Lah. Do you think Malaysia will go into recession in 2023? Um, hard to say. Hard to say because uh, Malaysia is still doing quite well because the government is still giving us a lot of subsidies. But right now, we don't know what is the plan for 2023 yet because we don't even have a budget for 2023. So it's it's very hard to gauge right now. But if we were to let the macro situation to influence Malaysia, then eventually, of course, we will go into recession as well. But there's always a chance for us to fight back by using all these fiscal policies and all the government initiatives to maneuver around. Yeah, I think your answer also kind of answers uh, Renyi's question on uh, Busa movement with the new government. Uh, I think one thing to add on is that uh, because currently right now what we have is actually what we call a unity government where mm. it's made up of a multiple parties rather than a particular coalition, right? So uh, previously, if let's say Pakatan won handsomely, uh, we can actually look at their manifesto and say, hey, these are probably going to be the things and it will help you to predict quite a lot of stuff, right? And we can see like... Uh, Previous minister Yobihin wrote a book about green initiatives. You can read that book and that would give you like some idea of what kind of green initiative in Malaysia plan to move ahead with, right? But the question is that right now with this unity government, the uh, you can't really expect the exact same manifesto. The, you there may be some toleration here and there. So that's why I guess that's one of the reasons we didn't really look too much into Malaysia market. Mm. Nothing much for us to look because it's ultimately too speculative. Correct. Yeah, at least in the short term. Correct. Uh, in the long term, then it's just boring. There's Correct. Much news and, and if you are just buying tech stocks because uh, tech stocks in, in the US is running, then might as well just buy US tech stocks. Yeah, so, that, so that's yeah. how we look at it and, right now. And we were also a bit lucky. La. We converted quite a chunk to Correct. USD. Correct, because we got... Yeah, yeah like before at about like four, yeah, four, four, four dollars, four, four, yeah. like that. Yeah. We converted quite a lot regularly at that point. So... Yala, because of that. Hmm. Anyway, um, last question here from Jeff Ang, right? In this bear market where stocks are relatively cheap, is it better to do a lump sum investing or dollar cost inflation? Now, I think it comes up to you, but I would say a safer approach is still dollar cost averaging because you really do not know where the market is going to be headed to in the next hmm. few weeks or few months, right? So I would say that at the end of the day, uh, taking the safer approach may be a better option for most investors. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, Frankie, you want to pick just one last question out of uh, the remaining here? Okay. Um, with the inflation still high, how long will it take for the US inflation rate to go back to, say, 2%? Right now, it's close to 10%. Uh, 
you know, we did six interest rate to bring it down from 10, 11% to 10%. So how much more we need to do to get to 2%, which is so far away, um, I don't know. Uh, but if, if there's a recession or even a depression, then it can come down very quickly. So if you want it to be 2%, then that is what should happen. But if you want a softer landing, then things will be still rather expensive for a very, very long period of time. So yeah, there's no concrete answer to yeah, that. But let's not forget, right? Let's not forget, okay? Even when inflation goes down, those hawker who increase price are not going to bring down their price. So you are still going to be paying quite a high price when you go and eat outside, okay? So at yeah, normal okay. human level, okay, what, okay, uh, what, what do it's going to be a lasting... Uh, no, mm. I, I, mean, I mean, my point is that it's, it's still going to be a quite a long-term effect that we feel. Mm. It's not like tomorrow cheaper. Probably the basic stuff like eggs or chicken will be cheaper. But if you go out and eat, right, the panmin who went up to 11 bucks is still going to be 11 bucks, man. Yeah. Yeah, so you still won't really feel that like joy, you know? Yeah, so a soft landing means that your panmin is continued to be at 11 bucks and it has been 11 bucks for long enough that the whole world has adjusted to it and then one day you wake up, it's 11, 11, 10. Then, ah, that is a 2% inflation and everybody accepts it. So until we reach that point, then yes, we can, we can safely say that we are out of the dark. Yeah. But it's a very long process for everyone to acknowledge that Panmin is 11 ringgit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so anyway, uh, that's, a, that's a whole different topic to go into as yeah. well. Yeah. So generally, um, we hope you guys enjoyed tonight's session. Uh, let's take a look at the poll. Uh, for those of you who haven't voted yet, uh, please help us by voting. Uh, would you guys be interested in... Sub oh, okay. Really done, really. Mm. Yeah. So 78% uh, of the people actually thinks that we should be doing subscribing. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, cool. Yeah. So at least... Yeah, we get something to look forward to in 2023. Yeah. All right. Mm. I, know, I know those people who say no, what they're thinking, you know. You should right. be doing for free. Ah, uh, could be lah, could be. You know, we we will still do some uh, sorry, free content as well. Let me let well. me tell you all these one thing <laughs> once again. Uh, I stated it very clearly. Uh, we are not saints. Uh, we are mm. not here to provide everything for free. We still need to make money. <laughs> so there are things that are free. There are things that we need to, we need to get paid. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, our idea at the end of the day is to make it affordable enough for general public. Right. Yeah. So that's why we end up doing a lot more on media and stuff like that. Mm. So the media sponsors it so that you pay less. Yeah, that's the, that's the point now. Uh, and I'll say it once again, we have done before free webinars. We do a lot of free stuff actually, right? Mm. But I can tell you, whenever we do free free stuff, right? We get 1,000 people registering, right? 500 people turn up. Man. Mm. Because people generally don't don't appreciate. reciprocate. Yeah. yeah, they don't appreciate. Uh, it's it's just human truth, right? Those of you who run the business, you will understand. When you give free things, half of people will abuse free things. And mm. yeah, we are just human beings. That's how it goes. But I know that ninety nine percent of you all who are sitting here watching this are kind people. So you don't do that. Yeah. So we are serving those that are kind. Not those that aren't kind. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Everyone is kind. Yeah. Everyone is kind. Anyway, thank you very much for bearing with us, you know, and uh, we really enjoy you guys. Um, um, 
uh, presence and we hope to see you guys when we do our physical event. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll be running our physical event on the 10th of uh, December. December, our very first one. And that one, we did it for free. How we can do it for free? We managed to pull off some uh, partners, partners. To, to, to support financially. Mm. And yeah, that, that's how we managed to do it so that we can do it for free. Right and even give your free gifts. Mm. Yeah, so, uh, so there are times for those kind of things. So thank you very much, and I, and I really look forward to be able to see you guys there. Yeah. So that's all about it. Yep, it's about two two weeks ahead. So uh, hope to see you guys there as well. Yep. Uh, do register via the link in the comments. Okay. All right. See you guys. Good, Good night. night.